Welcome to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast with Jennifer Arthurton. Listen in for real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Welcome to this edition of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. I am really excited today to introduce you guys to somebody that I happen to have the pleasure of meeting on the, on the goodness of the internet, let's put it that way. And we hit it off immediately and her, her story is so inspiring. It mirrors a lot of my own journey as well too. And my hope is that other people will see themselves in her story as well too. But it really was so inspiring that I had to share this. So I wanna introduce you guys to Maria Leonard Olson, who is the author of a new book out called 50 After 50. Here's the book for those of you who are watching on video. It was such an incredibly motivating, inspiring, and really poignant story. Like she shared so much of herself in this book. And like I said, I just think there's so much that all of us can relate to it. So I wanted to chat with her a little bit today about the book um, and what inspired the book, um, about the journey and what she's learned along the way. Yeah, we start from there. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your journey and kind of what inspired this book. Okay, well, thank you, first of all, for having me on your show. I love being a member of Old Chicks No Shit. It is an <laughs> awesome resource. It's really fun, too, to connect with other women who refuse to go quietly off into the sunset in retirement post-50. Mm, yes. And I really appreciate having, having you in my network and all the amazing women that you attract to your work. What started me on Journey of Wanting to write this book and to do 50 new things in my 50th year include I got divorced and I got sober from alcoholism. Felt um, rudderless at that point. My kids were off at school. I was an empty nester. I had given up a successful law career willingly to take care of my kids and be the kind of mother that I had longed for in my childhood. I had um, some significant challenges during my childhood, which are outlined in the book. I am, um, I don't like to say survivor, I like to say thriver, post-sexual assault. Was abused as a child and emotionally, physically, and sexually, and had to find a way to heal from that. What I learned through the course of therapy is that not facing trauma is like holding a beach ball underwater. You can do it, but it takes a tremendous amount of energy yeah. and the effects of the trauma will likely pop up in other areas of your life if you're not vigilantly holding it down. Mm -hmm. So until I could deal with um, some of the trauma of my past, I could not live a life authentic to myself and my values and what really made me happy because I was fractured in my emotional health or lack thereof. So this uh, endeavor to try 50 new things after turning 50 opened up for me so many avenues of growth and helped me to determine what really makes me happy and what my definition of happiness is because it has changed yeah. 
over the course of my life. As a young person, happiness for me meant excitement and pleasure and the pursuit of these things. Whereas happiness to me post 50 means being comfortable with who I am, with being grateful, with serenity, with not having any secrets, with having being able to walk down the street with my head held high, no matter who I encounter, and to find joy every day in profound and not so profound ways. Yeah, I mean, I what I related to so much in this story, and I think others can relate to as well too, is that we all kind of through our lives <laughs> create this, what do you want to call it? The mask, the posture or whatever. And it gets to a point where you can do it for a really long time, but it's usually around this type of life where you either, you j- like you literally just can't do it anymore. You get an illness, something major happens in your life and you start to realize that how much time and energy you've spelt, spent on creating this thing that's been leading at the forefront of your life for so long. And then once it's gone, you're like, okay, what's left? Who am I? Which is why I just, I loved uh, your story, especially, you know, you had the perfect, what most people would consider this perfect life, you know, like suburban, two kids, you know, fairly well off, living a nice life that most people strive for. Um, And like, that was very, very similar to my own story um, until it just got to be too much and it was, but it wasn't real. And I think that part of um, breaking down and letting go of what you once had in order to recreate something else is such an inspiration Um, and and not not easily done, which is why a lot of women feel very stuck at this point in life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I have had five readings so far, book talks, and... At every event, women, sometimes, well, one man so far, have approached me afterwards saying that I have helped them in some profound way mm-hmm. and that they have felt stuck and didn't know how to move forward and that this book gave them some ideas and some tools for getting there. And that, for me, is the most gratifying part of having written this book, is really connecting one-on-one yeah. with readers superficial ways people really as I have bared so much of myself are yeah. feeling comfortable enough to do the same with me well I mean the key to, to the key to connection is authenticity right and you reveal so much of yourself in the first part of this book that like you people couldn't help but connect with that and th- and that's the thing I'm like I think all of us when we drop the mask at some point like that's that's the entry point to say okay I'm connecting with you as human to human and we need a lot more of that Right. And this uh, is the time where I find women are now coming together and wanting to connect on that level. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe they and weren't so open to it before. Exactly. And the irony of it is that we wear these masks because we're afraid that if people see what's really underneath, they'll shy away from us when yeah. the exact opposite is true. Yeah. It took me decades to feel brave enough to let people see who the real Maria is. Yeah. I can so relate to that. So relate to that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I loved about your story and, you know, you talk about being in rehab and, you know, the 12 step, the 12 step process, I guess, that goes along with rehab. 
But the sense that I got from reading your experience of the 12 step, it wasn't just about getting sober. It was like the 12 steps were actually the steps that you needed to go forward. And so while everybody's, you know, reinvention might not be quite as dramatic, I just think there's so much value in the, in the 12 steps around courage and faith and belief and that, and I love the connection between like, you know, where you started, where you got to like with the 12 steps. And then that was the fuel that, that got you into the 50. Yes. I believe very strongly that the 12 steps are a roadmap for life and a guide for being a good human mm. and that they should be taught in every school in the world because what they boil down to is believing in something bigger than yourself. Yep. Uh, working on your own personal character defects, be the best version of yourself you can be, and then passing it on to others. Yeah. Being good in the world, making the world a better place because you were here. And those basic tenets, as you said, opened up for me space to become a better version of myself. Mm-hmm. To go down certain avenues that I would not have prior to doing the work involved in the 12 steps. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I love, I loved that connection so much because, you know, I, I feel like we all, especially in our culture, we all are so focused on our own, on our own power and our own, our own belief. Mm -hmm. And we look outside of ourselves for affirmation, for affirmation, right. For, for confirmation um, Mm -hmm. and being able to kind of realize that there's something bigger outside of yourself and that you could put faith in that thing to help get you there. I just think it's like you said, it should be taught to everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And um, now I have a son in recovery. And so Mm -hmm. I do go to Al-Anon, which is for people in relationship with addicts and for me, Al-Anon is akin to graduate school for alcoholics. Right. Because it's all about relationships and how to have healthy relationships and not just with my alcoholic son, but with uh, everyone in the world. And one of the most valuable lessons I learned in Al-Anon is if it's not mine, drop it. There are so many things that I do not need to be involved in. I do not need to comment on most things. And uh, a working acronym for me in my life is wait. Why am I talking? Yeah. So before I respond, this space is magic to determine whether something needs to be said, something needs to be said now, something needs to be said by me at all. Yeah, And uh, I was a very unedited person prior to my transformation that I describe in the book and felt that I had to respond quickly to prove that I am a very competent person and decisive. And now I don't, I no longer do that. In fact, when someone asks me to take on a new work project, volunteer project, whatever, I don't answer right away. ask myself is this how I want to spend my time right because time is the one thing none of us can buy none of us can get back none of us can manufacture and we don't know how much of this commodity we have ever ever and uh, in our modern culture most of us are pretty mindful of how we spend our money 
not so mindful about how we're spending our time. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So many time sucks in our world, social media being a huge one. Um, And I am a fan of social media. We met via social media. Yes, we did. um, I know that it is a way to expand one's world. At the same time, I too can be sucked into um, doing mindless surveys, games, things that aren't really, if I ask myself, is that how I want to spend my time? Not really. So I have, in this chapter of my life, become very intentional about how I spend my time. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, when you reach this point of life, you just become a little bit more conscious of how quickly life goes. Mm. And, you know, and I know exactly for myself, it's just like, I don't, I don't have, a, you know, I don't have all the time in the world anymore. Like, I got to get going on some stuff here, right? Yes. Like all the stuff that I've talked about doing, I need to do, yes. um, which is, you know, your 50 after 50. Again, that's why I was so inspiring. I got, I wrote down tons of little notes for myself. <laughs> hey, and I know you, you'll do it. Um, you'll do it. Yeah. So um, just like of the 50 things that you did, like, are there kind of like a top three that you think were kind of the the biggest or the most profound in terms of how they impacted you or, or, or maybe put it another way. Are there things that of that 50 list that you're like, okay, these three are absolute must do's. <laughs> and everybody's different. Well, number one, which yeah. I think would benefit everyone is to wrap, surround myself with people who help me be the best version of me that mm. I can be. Yes. And I used to be someone who spread myself very thinly thinking more is better it's not. And I stay away from I'm energy vampires. I heard them called. I stay away from people who exude negativity because I don't want, I don't want that to be part of my energy. And whomever you surround yourself, you inevitably pick up some of their traits or habits. Yeah. And there are studies, for instance, that people who hang around with people who don't eat, uh, in a healthy way, are typically overweight. For sure. And uh, not that being a certain weight is that important to me because it's not. Um, I want to be around people who are positive, who are comfortable with themselves, who allow me um, to be whomever I'm supposed to be and encourage me yeah. and applaud my victories and are there for me when I have challenges because you know, life curveballs it's never going to be even because that's the nature of life and yeah. anyway yeah. so that's my number one okay perfect. um for me uh most radical thing i probably did was to get my motorcycle license and buy a motorcycle that and that <laughs> is symbolic for me of getting out of my people pleaser mode because Maria 1.0, I'm now Maria 2.0, Maria 1.0 would have been too worried about what other people would think of me for being a motorcycle chick. And uh, Maria 2.0 doesn't care because wind therapy feels good. It's so freeing. And although my children were slightly horrified by the prospect of their mom, <laughs> You know you're on the right track. (laughs) I said to them, you know what? When you turn 50, I will support you getting a motorcycle too or whatever it is you want to do. That's going to give you a rush, a feeling of freedom. 
Mm. And so getting my motorcycle license was um, symbolic for me of escaping the bondage of what other people thought and trying to please other people at the expense of myself. Because I am someone who likes to have thrills. I am someone who gets loves the adrenaline rush of having the power in my hands to go fast. And when I was practicing turns in my neighborhood, I ran into someone from my son's very Tony private school in Washington, D.C., and she looked at me with horror. And I said, yeah, oh, hey, um, yeah, my kids are pretty horrified by this. She said, so am I. And I felt that wave of shame descending on me, and through therapy, I have learned to say, okay, shame, I see you. You're not welcome here right now. Go take a seat. And then I full throttled it away from this woman. And it was so empowering to affirm myself that I don't need her approval. But other people think of me as not my responsibility. Well, you know, that's so interesting because, and that's one of the reasons why I actually started the group is because people are very bought into our, our identities, right? Like you've lived your life a whole way and people have bought into that. And then when you want to switch, sometimes it's difficult to do that because there's so much expectation of the way that you used to be. And I've, I've heard that from so many people in the community, which is why I kind of, I started the group is because I would like women to be able to come to a place where other people understand and who are also not bought into any previous identity of that person, right? So if I decide I want to take in this chapter of life, take a radical left turn, that this is a group of women who are going to be supportive of that because they want the best as opposed to people who are bought in, who, you know, and maybe very well intentioned in your life, but who have just bought into an identity that you no longer want, want to, to keep. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. So sure. important. Yeah. Uh, well, so let's see the third thing. Gosh, there's so many things. It's hard for me to narrow it down. Okay, I guess the third thing would be for me incorporating meditation into my daily life. Mm -hmm. And meditation need not be carving out an hour to sit cross-legged and chant. Meditation for <laughs> me can be done in very short spurts throughout my day. For instance, at a red light, I can take three deep cleansing breaths to recenter myself. Mm -hmm. Or one of my most um, important practices is when I arrive at my work building, I'll get out of my car and do a walking meditation to the front door, a very slow, deliberate walk where I um, focus on my breathing. Because when you focus on your breathing, you have no choice but to be fully present. Yeah. And if you're fully present, you are unable to regret the past or fret about the future. Mm -hmm. so in those few centering moments, I'm able to reset my day to uh, enter the workplace with a calm disposition. And I'm a lawyer uh, for my paying job. Um, and it's um, I have a litigation practice. It's stressful. And oftentimes I'll have my colleagues uh, notice how I'm remaining calm in the midst of a work crisis. Right. And I do that through bursts of short bursts of meditation and deep breathing. Right. And that has changed my life. Yeah, I, I can also attest to that one, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, 
so if you like kind of can you characterize for us maybe just in in a quick couple seconds or whatever kind of Maria 1.0 and Maria 2.0 like what are kind of the key differences between those people <laughs> like where, where did you start and who have you evolved to sure um I would say where I started was um, someone who looked like uh, for the public, someone who looked like someone who had it all together, who was a chair of this, the organizer of this, went to a top 10 law school, was married to a great guy, lived in a beautiful house, um, organized events, gourmet cook, blah, blah, blah. That was Maria 1.0. I was running so fast to keep up these appearances mm. that I lacked inner peace. I was continually looking for the high of outside affirmation. Maria 2.0 is someone who realizes that no one or person or situation or item can make me happy. I solely responsible for my happiness and that happiness true happiness comes from within mm -hmm. so maria 2.0 is someone who shed the masks who is looking for ways to make a difference in my world and who has dropped the rocks of needing outside affirmation of needing someone to tell me who i am or to confirm or affirm what I'm trying to be because I am in a place of um, self-love now, whereas 1.0 was a place of self-hatred. Mm. So those are, that's the fundamental difference. And people remark that I am a much more calm person and much more deliberate in whatever I say, what I do. Um, my life has changed exponentially. And I think the base of change is self-acceptance. Right. And that was something that eluded me for my life before 50. Right. So Maria 2.0 is now a lawyer, an author. Um, you've written like three books, I think. Four. Four books. Yeah, four. Awesome. This one is the most personal, though. Yeah. This one is special. Yeah. And so what's next? Like, what's what does Maria 2.0, what, what does Maria 3.0 look like? <laughs> one good thing about this whole exercise is once I started trying out these different things in various categories, it um, has propelled me to do more and more. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm working on 60 after 60 in my personal life. Cool. And, uh, accomplishing these things, doing these things that I love, and finding new things, new ways to uh, in cultivate joy in my life, and that will continue. But I'm working on my next book. I've drafted the first draft of a book proposal about um, something significant that happened to me in the last year. I was given a DNA test by a corporate sponsor at a diversity conference at which I spoke. I did not think that I would learn anything surprising, but I did. I found something earth shattering about my, I found out that my father who raised me is not my father, biologically. Oh, wow. 
So I've started collecting stories from so many people because with the accessibility of DNA testing kits now, you can get them at the drugstore, people are finding out incredible news. It's a Pandora's box for our generation of stuff that wow. our parents tried to hide because it was unacceptable in previous yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. So, how, I mean, and I guess you're exploring, you're probably still exploring this, but just from an identity standpoint, I mean, how does, so, you know, Maria 1.0, Maria 2.0, now you've got new news that like is going to impact the direction of Maria 3.0. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh. I am a cradle Catholic who just found out that genetically speaking, I'm half Jewish. Rocked my world. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I'm planning a trip to Israel, actually. Cool. Learn more about my uh, ancestors. Wow, that's, that's amazing. It's a crazy year, and I believe that um, had this happened earlier in my life, I would not have handled it the way I'm handling it now. Yeah. I mean, had I found this out while I was still in full-blown alcoholism, oh boy, I don't know what would have happened. I may not be here right now. I would have been cause for a humongous ender. Yeah. So wow. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I have made progress in my life and that I'm a stronger person, a more centered person, and someone with resources, um, inner resources and women in my life who help me deal with life's mm -hmm. various crises. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear so many stories um, since I've started doing this work. I've heard so many stories of women having such profound shifts in their lives that have happened kind of in this period of their lives. And I think the common, the common refrain has been, if that had happened sooner, I would not have been able to handle it. Or this happened at the exact right time. And so I, I have this like inherent belief that things unfold exactly as they're supposed to and exactly when they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And this whole process of getting age, which of getting older, which in our, in our Western culture, we deny, we deny, we deny. There's so much beauty to be found in it. And it's in a lot of cases, it's like, you know, we're, we're much stronger. We're much smarter. We can handle things that we would never have been able to handle in our lives. And yes. so instead of like looking at the outside of the things that are not the way that they used to be, it's finding the beauty of those things on the inside. And that strength and the strength of character um, and just wisdom, knowledge, experience, everything. Like it's such a beautiful thing. And that's the other reason why I'm so compelled to share these stories is because we all need to see more of that, right? Versus yeah. anti-aging products and all the other stuff that we're, <laughs> you know, that are shoved at us every day. So oh, I, I, love I wholeheartedly stuff. agree with that. And I no longer believe in coincidences. I, like you just alluded to, believe that everything happens for a reason. And my current attitude is when something happens, even if it's negative, I can choose to learn something from it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, I just, I think we're just, you know, again, and another beauty of this time of life is that, you know, there are messages that maybe we have, we could have been picking up all along in our lives, but we're so busy doing like, mm. we're so busy. Like we're raising families, we got careers, we've got all of this stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden some of that noise quiets down and then all of a sudden these other voices pop up and you're like, Oh, Oh, I didn't know that was there. It's been there all <laughs> along. Right. You just now is the time you recognize it, but there's a reason for that. Right. You had to yes. do other things during that time. 
Yes, my sponsor sometimes brings me in and says, Maria, you're being a human doing, not a human being. Yes. I, I want to spend more time just being. Being. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's been my lesson. Unfortunately, I was forced into that place, forced into that place of, of um, surrender and being. But best, best thing by far that's ever happened to me, for sure. So if you were to give, so just to wrap this up, if you were to hand down one piece of advice from your experience to um, a woman who is maybe feeling a little bit stuck or is looking to make changes, who wants to find the path to 2.0 or 3.0, what, what would you say? What would be your one piece of advice or two pieces of advice even? <laughs> I would say, get this book. Yes, get this book. <laughs> I told you, I'm going to write a post on this because I just love this book so much. Thank you so much. I would say that no other person has the power to make you feel any way unless you give them the permission. Mm -hmm. Powerful. I sought so many times to um, get people to like me. I'd walk into a room and hope that I could make everyone there like me. I now walk into a room and hope that I find someone I can connect with because life is too short to have your life governed by what other people think or want from you. We are put here for a reason, to bloom where we're planted. And my uh, governing um, mode right now is I want the world to be a better place because I was here. How can mm -hmm. I do that? And I cannot be an effective uh, colleague, friend, or mother unless I feel good about me. Yeah. So how do I do that? Find, I have to find ways to cultivate joy in my life, passion, things that make me feel good about me before I can help other people with uh, whatever it is that's put in front of me. So getting away from the people-pleasing and finding out, defining for myself what success and happiness mean. Mm, yes. Is a critical becoming the authentic you and to becoming the best version of you. you yeah. Can be. And yeah, I mean, and that is, that is the goal, right? Like to, to be the best person you can be so that you can be, you can give the best of you to the world, right? Yes. Exactly. Um, and, and again, it's something that it comes up again and again, where I see women who are just like, I just want to make an impact. I want to know that what I did was meaningful to myself and to somebody else. Mm -hmm. and so yeah, that's great advice. I guess I would like to um, close with it's your life. It's up to you with what you do with it. Yeah, true. Every so day, every day, every day we get a new chance. Every day you wake up, you're given a gift. Yeah. How do you want to use that gift? Yeah. We all get 24 hours from the president to the pauper. 24 hours. How do you want to use it? Yeah. You can start right now with redirecting your life in the ways that you truly in your heart want yeah. to be directed. And, and life is a series of daily choices, right? Mm -hmm. every, every day, every choice, right? To, yes. to do or to not to do, to eat that thing or not eat that thing. But most mm -hmm. of the time it's like, eat the thing. It's <laughs> 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 not eat the thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah but it, it is a series of choices. And sometimes they're not easy choices. But mm -hmm. like, I think recognizing that we all have it in us to be able to do those things. 
Um, and, and to your earlier point, I mean, it's a lot about sometimes we're so held back by what people are going to think about us making those choices, right? Yeah. So being true to yourself and honoring yourself and understanding yourself, yeah. absolutely key. Great. All right. Well, I'm so, um, so happy that we had this conversation. Um, and to everybody who is listening and watching, 50 After 50, highly recommend that as the place to start. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, uh, to seeing what you write next. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Old Chicks No Shit. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes or wherever you listen in.